The MMA on the Rocks podcast is intended for adult audiences and does contain some explicit content. So if you are not an adult, please make sure your parents do not know you are listening to this and do not repeat anything you hear on this show in front of them. Also a reminder that even if you fight recklessly, please remember to drink responsibly. Now that we have that out of the way, let's get to the show. What's the date? I don't even know. Technically it's the 7th, but the clock kind of set back. It's going to be the 6th again? Or what? No. Welcome to MMA on the Rocks. My name is Bill Welker. You are listening to episode 263 of the podcast, or you're joining us late night, live on Facebook, YouTube, or Twitter. Today is, I guess, Sunday, November 7th, but really... November 6th, and then there's a time change in an hour. I don't know. I'm very disoriented. We just had an awesome UFC 268 card that we watched. I mean, the prelims were better than the the main card, I think. Anyway, before we get into any of that, let me introduce my right-hand man sitting to my right. Not in New Jersey right now. Right here in the flesh in Florida, Jeff, the animal Wilson. Jeff, welcome to the Sunshine State, my friend. Bill, I'm happy to be here. But my question is I left New Jersey, which is cold, come down here where it's nice and tropical and warm. And Bill, it's been cool the last few days. Yeah, well, you brought some cool weather with you from uh, from up in the Garden State, I guess. We we did have like it. We had like torrential downpours the first day you were here, and then I don't know, 50, 60 degrees. I don't even know what it is. That's basically winter weather here in Florida that you brought upon us. But at least we got some good training in. We did. We did. while you were here. Over at MJM Muay Thai, opened its doors to you. How do you feel about all that? Yeah, Bill, I appreciate it. I mean, it was fun working with you and Coach Bill. You know, I got to work on some striking, which I don't really work on uh, back north, just because I don't have time. And then I got to work in some wrestling, got some roles in. So, Bill, overall, I think it was a very successful trip. Yeah, a short one. Yeah. And it was just, what did you get here? Late Thursday night. Yeah, and I'm leaving in like four hours. In so. a, or, yeah, four hours or five hours. I don't know. I don't know how this time change works. For some reason, it's confusing me this year, folks. In any case, you're only here for a short time. So we might as well get some content out to the people, get an episode out, and talking about some fights um but yeah it was good you know getting back on the mat with you i haven't been doing much jujitsu lately so it was cool like getting a little like light roll in we started off with some takedowns then we did some pad work then a little jujitsu we kind of you could say we mixed the martial arts yeah yeah which is (laughs) which is the goal so uh so yeah i was really happy with that and and Bill, I always enjoyed training with you. So, you know, that was a, a big part of the trip as well. And, you know, for those of you who 
have been following the show. I haven't trained in well over a year. So to be back on the mats, started Wednesday night up again, Enzo Gracie Fort Lee, getting my ass whooped up there, getting my ass whooped down here. <laughs> so uh, I'm just ready to put my head down and keep working. And you got you got yourself a little private lesson while you're here too with the, the one and only Coach Bill Eastlick. Yeah, yeah, that was a lot of fun. Um, you know, we worked on some wrestling, which is again something that I don't really focus on. So it was it was nice to mix everything in together. Yeah. The the same coach Eastlick, who, by the way, very credentialed coach, division mm-hmm. one wrestler, judo black belt, Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt, MMA corner man. The list goes on. But the most important thing to talk about concerning Coach Bill is that tonight I converted him into a bourbon fan. Yeah. I think that was that was the crowning achievement of my weekend because Coach Bill is strictly scotch and tequila since I've known him for it's gotta be oh, it's gotta be four years now. I'm knowing Coach Bill and swore he doesn't touch bourbon, foul corn whiskey called something, <laughs> something along those lines. So he said, show me a bourbon that will change my mind. And I broke out the E.H. Taylor made by Buffalo Trace, allocated bourbon, pretty tough to find. I always keep it handy in the bar. I won't open a bottle until I have a backup bottle, mm. uh, which I do upstairs in the studio which if you can't tell we're sitting down here if you can't this is the downstairs of my house if you can't tell from all the stuffed animals <laughs> here there we go here's a stuffed animal of my sister's dog <laughs> making a cameo on the show um so he tries the colonel taylor enjoys it try some henry mckenna enjoys it Pours himself another E.H. Taylor, a third bourbon. He goes from zero bourbon <laughs> to, you know what? I think I'll have a third tonight. Yeah. So, I don't know. Maybe it was you twisting his arm on the mats. Maybe it was me twisting his arm in the bar. Only Coach Bill knows the answer. Yeah, but uh, I think you left with a happy customer, Bill. And- and Matt Temple, who is here also, recommended that I break out the E.H. Taylor, you know, go upstairs and, and get the good stuff. So shout out to Matt Temple as well. Yeah, who also made a fantastic queso dip, Bill. I enjoyed it. All around, it was a great weekend. And the the irony of the whole night is since I knew Coach Bill was coming over, I started drinking scotch. Before he came here, and I've been drinking scotch all night, and then he came and started drinking bourbon. Like you could not have predicted this, and but you know what you could have predicted, Jeff? How fucking awesome UFC two sixty eight was. Yeah. Um, I mean, we were watch- we were trying to get ready for like having some people over and watching the prelims, and it was like phenomenal fight after phenomenal fight and it kind of slowed down you know after the first two fights in the main card but i don't know i'll tell you where i need to start with this one jeff and i don't think anybody will be surprised i have to start with my boy billy q 
Mr. Halle Berry. Mr. Halle Berry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Billy Quarantello. Uh, I can't tell you how proud I am of this guy. I mean, he got in there with the number 14 ranked featherweight in the world, Shane Burgos. Had a fucking awesome fight. Came out, won the first round. Second round, questionable. Could have gone either way. It didn't go his way. Uh, third round, definitely for Shane. But Billy fought it on one fucking leg. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, uh, I, I mean, I've always known the guy was scrappy. I've always known he was tough. He's taken it to the next level of toughness, Jeff. And I'm so happy for him. First of all, for being on the main card at Madison Square Garden, following having to follow that Chandler Gaethje fight, which was amazing, putting on an epic fight himself, finishing the fight on one leg, and then I'm so happy that the narrative coming out of it, the the broadcasters were talking about how tough Billy is. It wasn't about you know what Shane did right or wrong. Like Billy finished that fight on one leg, and you know, really put his toughness on display for the world. And, you know, I, I've wished him success ever since he came on MMA on the rocks before he was in the UFC for the second time, mind you, because he was on tough season 22. And then right before he went on the contender series, he came on MMA on the rocks. You guys can check out that episode. Maybe here ish. If I remember to post the uh, the card, but um, you know Billy's a longtime friend of the show, uh, you know training partner. He's been on the show several times. Been on the show with you, Jeff. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I mean, we just you know, wish him all the best. I've always wished him success, and uh, I- I'm glad to see. You know, he's he's appearing on Barstool Sports now. You could say he got his start on MMA on the Rocks. I wouldn't say that, but you could, you could say that he got his start, you know, you know, really getting hype behind him here on MMA on the Rocks. But uh, give me your thoughts on our, on our boy, Billy Q. Yeah, Bill. I mean, it's pretty surreal seeing somebody that we've interviewed, um, you know, be on the main card of, of, you know, the UFC here, you know, which we, we've basically, we've basically been talking about for years is, you know, that's the top link of the food chain. But, Bill, getting to that fight, man, you know, Billy Q, he's just such a tough dude, man. Um, and I think Shane Burgos went in with the right strategy because he knows that Billy Q is going to create chaos. He's going to put the pace on him. He's going to put him through nine circles of hell in in that cage. So I think it was a good idea to try and take out the legs first and really compromise Billy's forward movement. And that lead leg, unfortunately, man, took a lot of damage in that first round. You know, it looked like there was a bit of a knockdown, but it was actually a shot to that leg that made Billy Q. I don't know if it was roll his ankle, Mm -hmm. but it was definitely compromised early on. And for Billy to just keep his head down, keep swinging, keep putting the pressure on Burgos, um, just shows how tough he is, man. And I'm glad that this is what everyone was talking about was his toughness and listen billy q he's gonna be a household name man um he's he's someone to definitely look out for in the division i mean just went to war with a ranked fighter so i think that anybody who's in the top 15 they didn't get a call about billy q i think they might turn down that fight 
to protect their spot on the rankings here. Here's my thought. Billy Q versus Patty the Batty. Oh, I like that. You know, Patty got a lot of hype, got a lot of publicity. First fighter endorsed by Barstool Sports. Billy Q, friend of Barstool Sports. You get a lot of momentum behind this. You know, Billy Q's coming off a loss. Patty coming off a win. But, you know, Billy's got a lot more UFC credibility. I would love to see that fight. Yeah. I, I think it would be fun. Um, you know, unfortunately, it probably can't happen for a while. Whatever, you know, Billy's probably got to heal up with his, his leg and everything. But, yeah, all credit to Shane Burgos, man. I mean, I don't, I don't want to leave that out. I, I've said in the weeks leading up to this, I've been a fan of Shane Burgos. You know, I, I was happy for Billy to get like such a good name in an opponent, but at the same time, it's like here's a guy I've been a fan of is now fighting my buddy, my boy Billy Q. So of course I'm rooting for for Billy, but. Um, as a fighter, I love Shane. You know, he's the guy's never in a boring fight. He had a great strategy, money in the bank with that calf kick. I was yeah. very impressed, you know, w- with that with that kind of calf sweep he was pulling off. Yeah. yeah. Um, even up against the cage, it wasn't really doing much. Like it would drop Billy down to one knee, and he would pop right back up. But still impressive, like at this level, that you can kind of drop a guy with such a subtle technique. Um, so, you know, credit to Shane Burgos, you know, he was, he was a better man tonight. Um, uh, and, uh, I, I, I'm feeling for my boy, uh, Mr. Halle Berry, maybe he'll get a, a cameo in Catwoman too. Yeah. Or that could be his fighter nickname, Billy, <laughs> Mr. Halle Berry, yeah. Quarantilla. There's, they're, they're starting to call him Billy the squid. And then it became, you know, squid game blew up, which I know you're getting into now. So now it's like Billy Squid Game, I think they're calling him. So now it's maybe Mr. Halle Berry. Yeah. And and no disrespect to uh Mr. Quarantello's new wife, of course. I'm sure I'm sure she's taking it all in in good natured fun. Um, you know, it's more publicity for her husband and you know, it's gonna mean more money in the bank for their future and, and the family they're probably gonna start eventually, but um, very proud of my man Billy Q. So, where should we go from here, Jeff? Bill, I think we need to do what got us to the dance and go from the top of the card to the bottom here. Well, we already talked about the top of the card, we talked about Billy Quarantello. All right, it's time to move on <laughs> to what was billed as the main event. Yeah, so I have mixed feelings about this one because the first fight between Kamara Usman and Colby Covington. Maybe the greatest welterweight fight I've ever seen. Like that fight, these guys were slugging it out. And the, so two of the judges that were on that fight were also judging this fight. Okay. Sal D'Amato had it three to one for Colby Covington going into the fifth round. And the other judge, his name is escaping me right now, had it it's three to one for Kamaru Usman going into that fifth round. Both of those judges were scoring this fight. Uh, it was 48-47, 48 Yep. If memory serves me, I have had a lot of scotch tonight, in full disclosure. 
Um, uh, what did you think about this fight, Jeff? Bill, I thought it was amazing. Um, I'll be honest with you, not as good as the first one, but still really good fight, especially after the second round. It felt like it took Colby a couple of rounds to kind of wake up. Um, I don't know if there was something going on with his training camp or maybe he was just trying to make his gas tank last a little longer. But um, after that third round, man, Colby Covington started giving Usman a war. And, Bill, I'll be honest with you, me personally, felt like Colby Covington did enough to win the fight. Um, really? Yeah. For me, I gave the first two rounds to Usman. The last rounds, four and five, to Colby Covington. And that third round, I just gave it to Colby Covington. But I could be convinced that that third round was for Usman. Yeah. I, I mean, one and two, not a lot happened, right? right. There was... Well, the second round, Colby got knocked down by Usman. The commentators were saying it was a clear 10-8. I don't know if I agree because Colby shook it off pretty quick. The third round was a coin toss, man, because not a lot happened. Colby hit that takedown. I don't yeah. care what the statisticians say. That was a takedown. In NCAA rules, and you heard it from Daniel Cormier, the two-time Olympian, that's a two-point takedown. Mm-hmm. Both his knees touched the mat. It's a takedown. <laughs> Apparently, it didn't score a takedown. I and and Cormier kind of like passive aggressively said, like, "Well, I guess they know more about wrestling than me." <laughs> um, and that was hilarious. Obviously, it's not wrestling; it's MMA, so it it scored differently. But like the the way Usman smiled at Covington, like he acknowledged yeah that yeah all right man you got me like you you broke my untakedownable streak yeah unfortunately bill the stats are still that usman has not been taken down (laughs) i guess so (laughs) um but you know unofficially i'd say it happened like he, he took him down like it was a takedown but that's when the tide started to change fourth round Clearly for Colby Covington. Yeah. Fifth round. I scored it for Colby too. Uh, it was close though. Yeah. Three, three and five are the question marks for me. One and two, Usman. Three, was it a takedown? Was it not? But the only conversation piece to come out of the third round was the takedown. Yeah. There was nothing else really that happened. Fourth round, clearly Colby Covington. Fifth round, very back and forth. I thought Colby had a lot of success when he was in the pocket boxing, which yeah. I didn't think he would, especially because of the improvements we've seen from Kamaru Usman since their first fight in the striking. And he landed some of those big strikes. Like he landed that big right hand that he landed on Jorge Masvidal in his last fight. Um, the head kicks from Colby were atrocious. Yeah. Like I, I feel like I can comment on this as a Muay Thai coach, like, I feel like I have some kind of qualifications. Like the technique was just not there. It was like an old school, like wrestling action figure where like only one joint can move. So his <laughs> leg was just coming like straight up. He wasn't turning his hips over. He wasn't turning his shoulder over. Like the leg was just flying straight up at Usman's head. And like kids, do not try that at home. That is not proper technique for a head kick. And I was 
I was having like a little debate with coach Bill about this. Like wrestlers are not built to throw head kicks. Like I remember the one head kick that Matt Hughes threw in the UFC. I can't remember who it was against, but I remember the broadcasters being so shocked that he threw the head kick because it was like such awful technique. And, um, you know, coach Bill came back as he's entitled to do a man with his credentials and he loves head kicks, but I asked him to tell me name a wrestler who's good at head kicks. And the one name he came up with is TJ Dillashaw. I don't recall TJ Dillashaw ever kicking anybody in the head coach bill. It's still on the table. I'm still, I have an open mind to this. So if you think of somebody or if anybody thinks of a wrestler who had really good head kicks, Please. I'm a very humble man. I will. (laughs) There's a reason I'm in a happy relationship. I'm willing to admit when I'm wrong, Jeff. Yeah, Bill, but I don't think you can compare that to this because even if you're not wrong, you still have to admit you're wrong, Bill. That's true. That's true. I'll probably have to do a lot of that tomorrow when I have to explain why I was up till two in the morning, but I thought it was one in the morning, but it was really three in the morning. I don't know what time it is, Jeff. I know we're in Florida. I know you're going to be in Jersey in a few hours. There's a whole lot going on here, but in any case, Kamara Usman, what do you do with this guy? Cause like he's cleaned out the division. There's nobody. There's no, he's beaten everybody twice. Pretty much. Bill. There's only one man who can challenge Usman. Well, on the cards. I don't know if it goes well for him into the octagon, but I'd like to actually see him against Wonderboy Thompson. See how that goes for him. But Wonderboy lost his last fight. How do you put him in a title fight? Just for the parody of it? Bill, people have gotten title fights for far less. All right? So I could see it happening. Will it happen? Probably not. You know what? Here's the solution. Right now, we do Wonder Boy versus Kamzat Shemaev. Hmm. And the winner fights Usman. I think that's the only... There's nothing else. Like, he knocked out Gilbert Burns. He knocked out Jorge Masvidal. He beat Colby Covington twice. Um, The only other one in the top five is Stephen Thompson. Like, what else is there? Yeah, it's a, it's a complicated scenario. And, uh, Bill, can we start talking about Kamaru Usman in the same breath as George St. Pierre at this point? Because GSP ran into the same exact problem. Uh, yes. It, you know, GSP was running through a division a second time, but he didn't have the devastating finishes that Usman does. You know, the thing with GSP is... He was a little more suave. He was very likable. Like Usman, it's hard to it's hard to describe. Like he is his own worst enemy when he opens his mouth, pretty much. And I say that as a fan of Kamaro Usman. Yeah. But it it's just he comes off very dry, very, you know, matter of fact. There's no flair to him, and there doesn't need to be. Like he speaks with his performances, but 
GSP just had that personality that drew people in. Yeah. You know, people love GSP. Like to this day, they still love that guy just because of, you know, I don't know if it's the accent or, you know, just the way he carried himself very professionally, which Usman does too. You know, Usman dresses himself very well besides the press conference where he wore that like Jaguar suit or whatever. It was leopard print bill. <sighs> Same difference. <laughs> <laughs> Don't cat shame me, Jeff. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I think he definitely deserves to be in the same conversation. I mean, he's, he's undefeated in the UFC, like GSP even had losses in the UFC. Yeah. Like where he got finished. Uh, Usman, I think his only loss came in what his first professional fight or second or something where he didn't really fully know what he was doing yet. Yeah, yeah, where he was just wrestling. In any case, uh, what do you do with Colby Covington? I don't know. I mean, oh, Vicente Luque is the other one that Usman hasn't fought yet. They used to be teammates, they're still buddies. Luke deserving of a title shot at this point. Um, yeah. That's not a marketable fight whatsoever. No, they won't say a bad word to each other. No. Um, but yeah, I actually forgot about that because it, it's been a, a few months. But yeah, Vicente Luque has been active and he's been on a tear. Yeah. That welterweight division. I don't know if Usman, I don't know if they want to fight each other though. Yeah, I, I feel like they don't. All right, so let's forget that. Colby, I feel like here is your options. Gilbert Burns, hmm. both coming off of losses to the champ, and Jorge Masvidal. I think Masvidal is, is the fight that needs to happen. Um, you know, a lot of bad blood there, a lot of shit talking, former teammates. You have a built-in storyline. Um, I don't know if that fight's going to come together, but you know, out of those two fights, uh, what would you like to see the most? Definitely Colby versus Masvidal. I mean, former teammates, former roommates. At one point, they were living together, and like you said, a lot of bad blood. Maybe after uh, Masvidal concludes his business with Leon Edwards, I think that'd be a really fun fight to put on. For sure, for sure. So Matt Temple. Acknowledge the fact that Rashad Evans, who was a wrestler, mm -hmm. knocked out Sean Salmon with a head kick. All-time highlight reel knockout. So, all right. I'll give you that one. I mean, Sean kind of leaned into it, if I'm remembering correctly. Sean Salmon is only known for being knocked out in this fashion. But, all right. I'll give you credit for that one. Uh, let's go to the co-main event. Rose Namajunas defends her strawweight championship. Uh, this fight, I, I feel like I was watching a different fight from everybody else because I saw it. I saw it four to one for Rose. I didn't see, um, Wiley Zhang doing much. In this fight, I think she had uh, two takedowns in the second round, something like that. I don't know this this fight kind of like sucked the life out of the card for me. Um, it it 
it was really a little dry at at this point. And then I think once Rose figured out that when she got on top, that Wiley was not able to really do anything yeah. except like throw some crazy up kicks <laughs> whenever some distance was present. But other than that, I thought it was a pretty cut and dry victory for the champ, Rose Nami. Yeah, I felt like Wiley Zhang definitely gave her a few problems in the early rounds, rounds one and two. She seemed a little bit more active, but then after that, Wiley Zhang just kind of fell off, man. And, you know, Nami Uzunis did an awesome job of getting uh, back into the fight. What the heck's going on with your cup there? Do you see this? Yeah. I'm, I'm just drinking out of a cup, and for some reason on the screen, it looks like bricks. If you're if you're only listening to the audio, you need to check out the YouTube version of the show because mine's doing that now. I'm I'm just holding up my cup and for some reason it's green screening and it's showing brick. It's just another brick on the wall, Jeff. Yeah. Bill, Sorry. do you think our younger listeners are gonna get the Pink Floyd reference? I don't know, but speaking of Pink Floyd, I just showed my daughter The Wizard of Oz last week, which if um, you take, I think it's the Wall album by Pink Floyd. If you play it and hit play at the same time as you hit play on The Wizard of Oz, supposedly they sync up. That's, uh, I think you also have to be doing some recreational drugs. But in any case... Wiley Zhang, Rose Nami Yunus. Where were we on that? Yeah, so I felt like Wiley Zhang, she was giving Nami Yunus a couple of problems early. But um, after some corner advice, I think Pat Barry and Trevor Whitman did a great job in the corner of just telling Nami Yunus to focus a little bit more on the takedowns, stay away from the clinch, and just work towards uh, Wiley Zhang's center line, which I think Nama Yunus did really well, um, you know, working the body and then using that to transition into her takedowns. Because mm -hmm. once she figured out that once she mounted Zhang and it took her maybe about three rounds to figure this out, um, once she got on top of Zhang, there was nothing, especially in that fifth round. Mm -hmm. I think she spent four minutes and 49 seconds on top of Wiley Zhang. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's what champions do. Definitely uh, a good performance from Nami Yunus, a very methodical performance, I felt like. So great win for the champ. Yeah, for sure. The thing that impressed me the most was the way she was able to dart in and out of the pocket and just beat Wiley Zhang to the punch. And this was a different Wiley than I feel like we've ever seen. I feel like she was very tentative. She didn't want to pull the trigger very much. She wasn't aggressive. She was swinging at air a lot, like just very flat, like kind of similar to how Colby Covington was in the first two rounds of the main event. Um, I don't know what the story is. You know, Wiley looked very lean coming into this fight as well. So I don't know if she was just, you know, drained from her training camp or yeah, and Bill, well, the question that I pose is how much of that is the mental aspect? You know, if you remember correctly, um, Wally Zhang lost her title in about 90 seconds, yeah. give or take, from a head kick from Nam Yunus that she never saw coming. So 
my question is, how much did that play into that and those memories and coming off her first loss? Because remember, up until this point, she was about 20 and 0. Yeah. Yeah. But against who? I mean, Ioani and Jacek, obviously, her most notable win. Um, you know, that epic fight, fight of the year last year in a lot of people's um, rankings. Um, but. You know, if you looked at her record, which I'm not going to do right now because we don't have the usual studio set up, um, you know, could you pick out five names on the list that she's beaten? I could maybe give you two. Yeah. Meanwhile, Rose Namajunas, it's a who's who of the strawweight division. She does, however, have a loss to Carla Esparza, who is technically the next ranked in line. So that would make the most sense. Rematch between those two. Uh, for the undisputed title, I mean, it seems like it's kind of a built-in, like, yeah, this is what we're gonna do. Yeah, and Bill, they must have fought um, at the end of the Ultimate Fighter mm-hmm. to for the that was you know establishing the strawweight division. That must have been six or seven years ago, and I feel like Nam Yunus has grown so much ever since. I think that's a great fight to put on, but so has Carla Esparza. Now, Carlos Barza probably been through more lows than Rose. I didn't mean for that to rhyme. It just kind of worked out that way. More lows than Rose, but, you know, she's on an uptick now. I think five in a row. She's been looking good. Um, I think that's the fight to make, but, you know, we'll see what they're going to do. Let's move on. Marlon Vera, uh, front kick knockout. Frankie Edgar in the third round of a fight that he was clearly losing. Here's what bothered me about this fight is that Marlon Vera, for seemingly no reason, we didn't even get an explanation of this, was very disrespectful to Frankie Edgar during the fight. Like, just flipped him off, and then, like, Frankie dropped his mouthpiece, and and Marlon Vera's doing, like, the the jerk-off hand signals, and just, like, acting like a dick and like of all the people you could face, like why would you be a dick to Frankie Edgar? Like the guy's a legend. He's a first ballot hall of famer. Yeah. You know, he won the lightweight championship at his walk around weight. Basically now he's fighting at 135 and possibly his last fight. Like why was it? You think he was just frustrated that he was losing the fight? Um, You know, Going into this fight, I would have been happy for Marlon Vera, like seeing success here. But seeing how the fight played out and how he behaved and acted during the fight, I'm really disappointed. Um, and now I don't wish him any further success. Like I hope he kind of gets smashed in his next fight uh, because he acted like an asshole. Uh, what are your thoughts, Jeff? Yeah, um, you know Frankie Edgar. I think he's a fan favorite all around. Um, you know, being from New Jersey, I'll always love Frankie. But, uh, yeah, I felt like there was no need for the disrespect from Marlon Vera. And even after the finish, it looked like he was still talking to him. And at that point, the fight's over. You know, you didn't deserve to win, but you won. So we'll just leave it at that. Um, I didn't really hear the post-fight interview because I was kind of checked out at that point. Yeah. But um, it did seem like they squashed it, which is, you know, that's the most important thing. But, um I can't say I'll be rooting for Marlon Vera going forward. Um, and I, I'm, 
hardly ever one side or the other. Like obviously Billy Q is my friend. I was rooting for him. But otherwise it's you know, I just want to see good fights. But when guys are disrespectful like that, I, I don't really vibe with that, especially towards a guy like Frankie Edgar. And if this was the last time we see Frankie Edgar in the octagon, thank you for so many memorable fights. I mean, the Gray Maynard fights, the BJ Penn fights, uh, Benson Henderson fights. Yeah. The, yeah. Even those, even the Benson Henderson fight, even though he lost, um, just so many great, and it, he was so Frankie's strength was he was able to mix his boxing so well with his wrestling. Like, I can't think of anybody who was able to blend those things better than Frankie Edgar. You know, he would like jump into the pocket, throw a one two, jump into the pocket, shoot a double leg. Um, just it, it, I can't stress enough. Like, he won the 150 pound. 155 pound title like and walks around at like 156 pounds <laughs> yeah like he he didn't even cut any weight yeah and i want to give a big thank you to frankie edgar man one of the first guys that i really became a fan of when i you know started watching the ufc in college and i'll never forget uh when he knocked out chad mendez i mean it, it just looked like he threw this hook that kind of grazed Mendez knows, and the next thing you see is Mendez just fall like a sack of potatoes. I remember the fights with Jose Aldo. Um, so many, so many. I mean, he could have his own chapter in the UFC library of yeah, great fights. For man. sure. For me, it'll always be the that first great Maynard fight when he was knocked like dead and came back. And then the first one was the draw, mm -hmm. I believe. To, to come back, like, he should have been knocked out, Jeff. Like, that should have been. Like, that was a harder shot than he took from Marlon Vera tonight in that great Maynard fight. And he came back and was able to get the draw. But um, fellow Jersey boy, too, Jeff. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I, I some of the guys that I train with <laughs> have met Frankie Edgar. Like, my one of my next-door neighbors, he's – like he's trying to become a fighter and I wish him the best of luck, but he's worked, you know, like one-on-one -on -one with Frankie Edgar. Um, so, you know, the, the, the degrees of separation are very little yeah. in, in mixed martial arts. I mean, if you're going to make a Mount Rushmore of New Jersey, it's Frankie Edgar, Frankie Valley, Frank Sinatra, Jeff, the animal wills. <laughs> I was going to say Jim Miller. But okay. <laughs> I don't know. Three Franks and an animal. <laughs> oh man. That's a good name for a band. Bill. Yeah. Well, frankly, we should move on. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We already talked about Shane Burgos and Billy Parentello at length. Fight of the night. Fight of the year candidate, dude. Year fight of ever. Yeah, man, it was an irresistible force meeting an unstoppable does, does, object. Does this man. make your top five? Because we did do a top five. If I can find it, I'll post the link here. We did do a top our top five favorite fights of all time. Does this make the list? It's making me rethink the list, Bill. Yeah. Uh, so Justin Gaethje, Michael Chandler, like this was everything we could have hoped for and more. Um, to that. Uh, 
the striking exchanges, the grappling scrambles. Um, you know, when Chandler was in on that takedown and Gaethje reached underneath and grabbed the leg and, and reversed it. Like, yeah. this fight, both guys were knocked out unconscious at one point or at several points, I think. Like, it was harder to keep track of this fight than it is to keep track of daylight savings time right now. Or it's not daylight savings time. That was in the spring. This is I, whatever is going on now confuses me. Keeping track of this fight confused me. Like, I could not keep up. It was like one spectacular moment after another. Um, it, it just an absolute classic. Yeah, dude. I mean, both guys were wobbled at one point. Gaethje was on the stanky leg. Michael Chandler's face was all bloodied. I'm pretty sure he's the ki- he makes the candidate for the Andre Arlovsky Nose of the Month Club that we have here at MMA on the Rocks. It's been a while since we've given that out. I think Michael Chandler is uh, is this month's recipient, Bill. We'll have to send him some hot sauce or something. But, um, <laughs> but dude, what a great fight, man, and what a way to open a fantastic card. Yeah, it, it might be a new strategy from the UFC going forward. And, and it's like, you know, it's a double-edged sword because, like, you have a fantastic fight like this kicking off the card. You know, maybe people are calling or texting each other like, hey, you got to check out the UFC right now. And then people are buying the pay-per-view. But then at the same time, you have an epic fight between Billy Q and Shane Burgos right after. They kind of had the wind sucked out of it. Like, the crowd was not reacting because they were – they, the crowd was having such an adrenaline dump from this great fight. But, um, you know, Justin Gaethje goes on to be the winner. If you had to make a prediction, Jeff, does Justin Gaethje get the, the winner of Charles Oliveira and Dustin Poirier? I think it's all you can do at this point. I mean, you have, um, I forgot his name, uh, Khabib's boy. Islam Makachev. Yeah, so you have Islam Makachev waiting in the wings. But I think that Justin Gaethje, just by the body of work, man, Michael Chandler's no walk in the park. You know, you can see the destruction that he laid out at Bellator. Um, I world think, Series of Fighting. Yeah, World, world Series of Fighting. And um, Chandler as well. Um, I, I think you have to give it to Justin Gaethje here. Um, and I don't care who it is. If he fights against um, Oliveira, I think that's an awesome fight. And if he fights against um, Dustin Poirier, that's an awesome fight too. You can't lose here. Mm, yeah. Uh, I, I wouldn't be as excited for Gaethje Poirier too. I feel like if Poirier wins, maybe you could justify throwing Makachev in there. I mean, he just annihilated Dan Hooker in one round. Like, who knows how long Gaethje's even going to be have a medical suspension after this fight. Like, he won the fight, but took a lot of damage. Um, you know, it's not a bad problem to have for the UFC. I mean, you have this killer waiting in the wings in Islam Makachev. You have a killer in Justin Gaethje who just took out this guy, Michael Chandler, who, you know, is a stud. I mean, the shots he took from Gaethje in this fight, like 99.9% of the people on this planet who can make the weight limit of 155 pounds are not taking those shots. Oh, absolutely. And not. Chandler kept, uh, 
come on, hit me more, hit me more. And Gaethje was like, all right, bet. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's get into these prelims. And unfortunately, we're going to have to skim over them because there's so many. I mean, there was 14 fights on this card. It was really long. Yeah, and six of the prelims ended in finishes. Yeah, which is insane. So Alex Perea, who comes over from uh, kickboxing, knocked out the middleweight champ Israel Adesanya twice. Um, wins via flying knee. Uh, 18 seconds into the second round. Give me your thoughts, Joe. Yeah, it was a flying switch knee, and it was absolutely vicious. I think this dude... Uh, Andreas Michalidis. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. Um, I think he was just picked to to kind of be a sacrificial lamb here for Pereira because he had nothing uh, for this guy. But um, Pereira, listen, on the feet, he is dangerous, dude. Um, you know, everything that was connecting was was hurting, and you can see that. I think that uh, that flying knee was just the straw that broke the camel's back in this fight. Yeah. Awesome performance. Good luck getting a bonus on this card because uh, we had Bobby Green knocking out Ally Quinta in the first round. Uh, you know, combination of ring rust for Ally Quinta, but also, uh, you know, I was saying last week, this new Bobby Green, since he changed camps and he's been kind of patient and not getting into firefights, like, Bobby Green two years ago, if you told me he was fighting Ally Quinta, I would have said, you know, rest in peace, Bobby Green. Like, he's going to get destroyed. You get into, like, a brawl with Ally Quinta, who's a sharpshooter in the pocket, not going to be a good night. But Bobby Green, man, he was patient. He picked his shots. He waited for Ally Quinta to kind of overextend and, you know, just put him away. Um you know, followed him to the ground, but it was kind of over at that point. Uh, give me your thoughts, Jeff. Yeah, dude. Unfortunately for Ayakinta, like you said, man, a little bit of rust. And, Bill, I got to say, um, Bobby Green was fighting with his hands down, and normally that would piss me off. But he's moving his shoulders, kind of doing kind of like the Philly shell thing where his shoulders are absorbing the shots. Mm -hmm. And, uh, Ayakinta a lot of times was finding those shoulders instead of Bobby Green's head. So something's working with this new camp. And yep. while it still annoys me that he fights with his hands down, it's working for him. He's like the Roy Jones Jr. of MMA. Just works for him. Yeah. You know, Roy Jones made a whole career out of it. And it worked. I it's working for Bobby Green. Now, um, Ally Quinta, you know, it's weird to see a guy who was, you know, stepped into the main event against Khabib and then, it, you know, now we're watching him get knocked out on the prelims. It's kind of a weird phenomenon. And obviously I have like a uh, kind of affiliation with Al. Like I've met him. Um, he, I've been to his gym, Longo Wyman MMA in Long Island and, you know, spent some time up there. was on Ray Longo's, podcast i'm a man beyond rest in peace unfortunately that podcast is is no longer uh in existence shout out to my buddy steve maraboli who used to put that podcast together um so yeah for you know part of me is happy for bobby green because you know seeing him make this progression and make such growth uh, from becoming 
you know, being like a brawler basically to evolving into like an intelligent fighter. But, you know, part of me is sad for Ally Quinta since, you know, I met him and he was such a cool guy and very nice. Got to talk to him a little bit. Um, yeah. So that was that. So the fight that you had the biggest reaction to of the whole night, Jeff, was uh, your, your uh, Jersey men. I don't know. What do you call it? Jersey Kinman? Fellow, Jersey boy. Fellow Jerseyan. I don't know. You know, he's climbing his way up the, the Jersey Mount Rushmore of the, you know, the Franks and you. Um, <laughs> uh, Phil Hawes dominating four minutes of this fight against Chris Curtis. And then, I don't know, what happened, Jeff? Bill Curtis landed this left hook and Hawes didn't like it, man. I thought it was a body shot at first, but it was a a left hook to the head and he just shut the lights off. You know, he, it was like a switch went off in Phil Hawes brain and his body just, it looked like Chris Curtis just like pulled him down because of, you know, how out of it Hawes was. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, man, Hawes is somebody that I've been following really closely. Um, I don't know what high school he graduated from, but I, I got to look this up. And if somebody knows, let me know, because I think he may have graduated from my high school. Um, so, you know, I've been I've been following him uh, for a while now. I think he's about 21. So I graduated in 2010. So I don't think he, we were in the high school at the same time. But, uh, yeah, you know, it's it's cool. Um, so I really wish Phil Hawes a lot of success in this career, man. Um you know, I think he's repping my town in a really awesome way. And, you know, I think he's going to bounce back really strong from this. I think, uh, you know, setback is the perfect setup for a comeback. For sure. I mean, you know, big setback. I think he was the biggest favorite on this card. Uh, but, you know, credit to Chris Curtis. Like, he took a beating in that first round. Like, he got beat around that octagon and, uh, you know, came back to get the, the first round knockout victory. Um Edmund Shabazian taking a big second round TKO against Nasruddin Imavov. You know, Imavov just got him in that crucifix position. It was just dropping elbows. There was there was no escape. Uh, Shabazian, yeah, I was telling you this, Jeff. He was just a, a kid that was brought up too fast. You know, they fed him to, to uh, Derek Brunson. And, you know, Brunson showed him the ropes. And then he had another loss. And now third loss in a row. Um it was just too much too soon for Edmund Shabazian, I think. But um, you got to give credit to Imovov, man. That dude is is impressive. I think he has a bright future um, in this division, in this middleweight division. And uh, I'm excited. I'm excited to see what's next for him. As for Shabazian, man, I, I feel like they should just brought him up a little slower. I know he he was one of these people talking about. I want to be the youngest. UFC champion ever. I don't know why this is a goal for people. It's not like a very practical goal, in my opinion. You know, you got to work your way up the right way before you're jumping into these main events with these killers, you know, these grizzled veterans, because they'll, they'll take all your tricks and chew them up and spit them out all over your face, which is what happened to Edmund Shabazi in his last three fights. Yeah, Bill. And you know, it's hard to argue with that because, you know, in in those veterans' eyes, 
you're trying to make a name off of them and they're not going to allow that. So um, I, I agree. I think they brought up Edmund Shabosnian a little too fast. I feel the same way about Mickey Gall. But, Bill, how do you feel about Mickey Gall fighting Edmund Shabazzian? They're different weight classes. Well, then, let's move on to the next fight. Here. We have uh, <laughs> Ian Gary making his debut versus Jordan Williams. And, Bill, um, from what I've been seeing on social media, Ian Gary's got a pretty good European following. I don't know too much about him, but it looks like there was a little bit of hype behind this guy. Yeah, apparently he worked in a suit shop in Ireland where he – tailored a suit for conor mcgregor and he was showing off a picture with them i believe he's eight no now uh finished the fight with a combination very similar to the one i was showing you yesterday jeff yeah it was a slip uh under a jab so he stepped to his right and then landed that nasty cross like a sniper dude right on the jaw and uh jordan williams just went down yeah, so this is a it's it's actually a, a very common combination that I teach to my guys. When you're dealing with an aggressive fighter, you throw out a double jab, and then you cut an angle to your right, and then as they move forward, you throw the two right down the pipe. Um, so for Gary, he didn't have to move out of the way because Jordan Williams moved himself in the right angle, like right in the line of fire of that right cross. Uh, it was a beautiful knockout. Uh, good luck to him trying to get a bonus, though, on this card, which was stacked with bonuses. I imagine one of them has to go to Chris Barnett with his win over Jean Volante. Um, Bill, it defies the laws of physics, what happened in that fight. It really does, because Chris Barnett is about 540 pounds. <laughs> <laughs> and he finishes fight. And what is Chris Barnett? Five. He was like the same height as Joe Rogan. He was like five eight. Yeah, fighting at heavyweight at the upper spectrum of of heavyweight lands a spinning wheel head kick, puts John Volante down, finishes the fight, does a front flip. And lands on his butt like a fucking Teletubby or something. Like, I don't even know. I didn't even know what I was watching at that point. Like, it was very surreal. I think he's already, like, on ESPN highlights. I, If I'm writing a bonus check, I'm giving one to Chris Barnett. I think like, you have to. Like, you know, the, the absurdity of that move combined with the flip and then he cuts a nice promo you know how do you not how do you not love chris barnett yeah and then he was dancing on his way into the octagon dancing out of the octagon and bill on top of all this john Volante's like a foot taller than him mm -hmm. man what a fight if you can only go back and watch one prelim Go back and watch Barnett versus John Volante. What a fight, man. Yeah. Um, I think he definitely has earned a nice bonus check for that. Yeah. I I don't see why not. I I mean, I guess if it's if if I have to write the checks, fight of the night, Gagey Chandler. Absolutely. Performance of the night, Chris Barnett. And then I guess 
performance of the night. Alex Padilla? Yeah. Yeah, that switch in here was nasty, dude. Perhaps. I don't know. Let us know what you think. Leave some comments. Helps the uh, algorithms and stuff. So the rest of the card, Dustin Jacoby, unanimous decision over John Allen. Good, solid fight. Uh, Melsic Bogdazarian, uh, unanimous decision over Bruno Silva. And Ode Osborne, unanimous decision over his opponent who missed weight, so we won't even say his name. Um, great card overall. Yeah. Very solid. Very solid, Jeff, right? Yeah. Great card, top to bottom. Uh, I think we watched every fight on this card, and honestly, Bill, I was pleased with each and every one of them. Yeah, and we get to follow it up with a great card next week. UFC, whatever the fuck this is, from the back at the Apex. So we go from Apex to Abu Dhabi to New York City, back to the Apex. Max Holloway. Yair Rodriguez, UFC Vegas 40, whatever this is. Yeah, I lost count many, many paper, many cards to go. But this is a fun fight, Jeff. So of combined significant strikes landed in a UFC fight, there's a top five. Mm -hmm. Max Holloway is a part of numbers one, two, and three of that top five. And you know who number four is? Our buddy Billy Q. Billy Q and Shane Burgos combined significant strikes. Any weight class. But the first three are Max Holloway in his fights against uh, Calvin Cater, Brian Ortega, and someone else. Was it either of the Volkanovsky fights? No. Huh. It was a fight he won. I don't recall what it is, but Max Holloway, one of the best volume strikers of all time. Yair Rodriguez, very dislikable, but also one of the most dynamic strikers of all time. You know, that that up elbow finish of Korean Zombie will be on his highlight reel forever. Give me your thoughts on this main event, Jeff. No, I think this main event is going to be awesome. Holloway versus Rodriguez. I'll be honest with you, Bill. I think this ends in a finish. I don't see it going to the judges because Max Holloway, while also being a very technical striker, his output is ridiculous. And there's a reason why three of his fights are in that top five of uh, most significant strikes landed in uh, in fights. It's because of Holloway's output. He just, he goes to work, man. Like, if you're fighting Holloway, you have to pack a lunch because it's going to be a long day. Rodriguez, he's got the finishing power. He's got that style. But I feel like outside of the fight with Korean Zombie, Yair Rodriguez, he needs space to get that flashy stuff off, and Holloway's not going to give it to him. For sure. I agree with you. Um, Call me an event. Ben Rothwell, Marcos Rogerio de Lima. Mm. All right. I like that fight. I like that fight a lot. Yeah, I like that fight, but I don't really have anything to say about it. Like, I, I'm looking forward to watching it, but it's like, I don't. I, you never know. With Ben Rothwell, it's like, you don't know what you're going to get. Uh, Felipe Lenz, Ovin St. Prue, same Right down there. Like, yeah, I'm looking forward to that fight. I don't know what to tell you about it. Felicia Spencer and Leah Letson, whoever that is. 
Uh, so Felicia Spencer is probably the number three ranked featherweight or something. There's only like four of them. So she's, she's in the top five. So there's that. Uh, Roman Delizze and Kyle Dawkins, my sleeper pick. Good pick. Uh, is this a rematch? I don't think so. Because they had that, did, did they have that weird, like clash of heads or something? No, that might have been Kyle Dawkins' brother. Let's check it out right now. I'm just going to pull up the Leeds A's. All right, so, okay, this was not the rematch. So Kyle Dawkins, Roman the Leeds A, still my sleeper pick. Yeah, both really talented. Roman the Leeds A, um, he's going to push forward. But so is Kyle Dawkins, man. And Kyle Dawkins does not take a step back. So that's a really good pick. Um, Bill, my pick for the sleeper fight. I got to give it to you. Dong Song versus Julio Arce. I think that fight is going to be awesome. It's going to be fireworks. I see that fight ending in a finish too. Yeah, Dong Song puts a lot of pressure on people. He hits hard. And so does Julio Arce. So yeah. it's going to be awesome. Yeah, that'll, that will definitely be a good fight. Uh, jumping around a little bit, Cynthia Calvillo, Andrea Lee. That's that's a fun fight. Yeah. Uh, Miguel Baeza, Caramel Thunder against Caitlin Williams. That's a good one too. Uh, Sean Woodson, who Sean Woodson looks like those little aliens that drink coffee in Men in Black. <laughs> <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. I'm like, hey, what guy? <laughs> <laughs> like that's that's a charm. I wish I had like a video editor that could put like a little picture of those little guys right here, but I don't. So you guys are gonna just gonna have to Google that. <laughs> um, what else we got? Courtney Casey and Leanna Jojua. Okay, that looks like a fun fight. Yeah, that will be a fun fight. Marta Casey and Rafael Alves, and then. For some reason, Jeff, the nine and one Kennedy and Zechiku is the curtain jerker on this show. And I can't understand why he's fighting Da Un Jung. And Zechiku has been very impressive, in my yeah. opinion. Like, why is he the bottom bill on this card? I don't understand this. Yeah, I noticed that too. Um, it's a little weird. Um, I, I don't get me wrong. I think that's a great way to open the card, but he's the first fight of the prelims. Um, I wonder if he pissed somebody off, Bill. Yeah. I, what could he have done wrong? I don't, I don't know, but I'm a fan. Kennedy and Zechiku. Um, so make sure you guys tune in for that. Uh, anything else on this card, Jeff? No, Bill, I'm excited, man. I didn't know too much about this card heading into it, but uh, I'm excited, man. Um, I think there are some gems on this card that nobody's talking about, and they should be. For sure. Well, we'll be talking about them right here next week. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in and leaving your comments, reviews, thumbs up, subscription, notifications, all that great stuff. Uh, I know what else you're excited for, Jeff, is to take home your new MJM Muay Thai tank top, which is made by our friends at Team Reaper. Team Reaper? 
who also makes MMA on the Rocks merchandise. So if you want to grab some over the top, under the influence t-shirts, hoodies, tank tops, it's hoodie season, folks. Order yourself two because you know your girlfriend's going to steal one. So buy two hoodies. Use the promo code MMARocks10. That's M-M-A-R-O-C-K-S-1-0. Save yourself 10% on your entire order. Uh, you can support some local fighters and buy some of their merchandise. You can buy merchandise from the show. You can buy some training gear, jiu-jitsu gis, gear bags, MMA sparring gloves. They got all kinds of great stuff. So go check out our friends at Team Reaper. The website is reaper1.co. As always, I'll put the link to our merchandise in the show notes wherever you happen to be consuming the podcast. Uh, Jeff, this is it, my man. I mean, you're getting on a flight in like 25 minutes. Uh, <laughs> you have anything else you want to you wanna say to the people? Dude, it's been so much fun being down here. It's been a few years since I came down. So I'm excited to have gotten some good training in, gotten some good seafood and veggies in to take care of the diet. And, you know, overall, it's just been a, it's been a fun weekend. Playing pretend with Ariana. Oh, yeah. My daughter's <laughs> been wearing both of us out. And I'm definitely going to regret in the morning staying up until, I guess it's 2 a.m. Maybe it's 1 a.m. It should have jumped back to 1 a.m., right? No, I think it does that at 3. It jumps back. Well, whatever. It, it's going <laughs> to, I hope it jumps back. But it doesn't matter because I have a three-year-old and she doesn't know about time or anything like that. So there's no extra hour of sleep for me. There's no extra hour of sleep for you because you're basically going straight to the airport to fly back to New Jersey. In any case, not looking for sympathy from anybody, but mm -hmm. just talking about what's going on here. It's been great having you down here. Get some training in, some healthy food, um, you know, hanging out with some some old friends. When was the last time we even did a podcast in person? Was it the last time you were down here? Because when I've been up in New York, we haven't really recorded together. Yeah. Yeah. So it's been it's been over two years since we've done this. I guess like the last time you were down here, we recorded upstairs in the studio, not with all these stuffed animals and this weird like green screen thing that's going on with my cup that I have no explanation for. I don't know why... I don't know why this is happening. Look, I just made Jeff's face a brick wall. <laughs> so, I don't know. If you want to know what I'm talking about and you're listening to the audio only, check out the YouTube channel so you can see what's going on with my my blue. This cup is just, it's just a blue plastic cup, but for some reason it shows up with bricks. In any case, Jeff, I wish you safe travels back home, my friend. And, uh, Hopefully we can get together and do this virtually next week. And hopefully I'll be back in the New York area, New York, New Jersey area soon. And we can do this again. If you want to get a hold of Jeff, you can do so at animal underscore Wilson on Twitter and Instagram. You guys know how to get a hold of me. Please do it at MMA on the rocks, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, whatever. Something somewhere. MMA on the rocks at gmail.com. Send me an email. Go to our website, MMAontheRocks.com. You can send a message that way. I'll see it probably, maybe. I don't know. I'm not great with technology, but, you know, we're not too hard to get a hold of. And that's all we got. 
So until next time, I'm just building tension here because I don't know how to get the mouse back on the, uh, here we go. So until next time, cheers, everybody. Goodbye.